So, isn't it good to be in church today? Man, I love this time of year. I don't know about you guys, but this is one of my favorite times of the year. It's still warm in the day, but it's cool at night, all right? That's what I love about the mountains is that, um, man, we can get those cool nights and cool mornings, but still get some sunshine in the afternoon, and so I hope you guys take advantage of it and uh, and get a break uh, this this weekend a little bit. I'm glad you're here today. Um, Today marks the start of a brand new sermon series uh, called The Living Word. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 14 through John chapter 16 over the next several weeks. Uh, this is an interesting passage and one I really love. It's, uh, uh, it's kind of going to focus on this passage because in this passage it's where Jesus really tells us about the Holy Spirit. He tells us what it looks like to live uh, once Jesus has ascended back to heaven, once he has gone, uh, what it looks like to live our life as a believer. And so he's given us hope through this whole passage. He's told us that he's going to prepare a room for us. Uh, he's promising that we can be with him forever. And there is so much we can learn from this. Um, and I'm just telling you, there's so many promises in this that this whole series is going to be about giving you hope. It's going to be about encouraging you to know who Jesus is, why he came, and what we have to look forward to. Um, so I, I hope you get excited about that. Read it. Uh, again, we're going to go verse by verse through these chapters here in the middle of John. Uh, I love doing that. Uh, here's a random fact for you. Did you know that heart trouble is the leading cause of death in the world today? I'm talking about, the, of course, the medical kind of heart trouble, coronary artery disease. It's the cause of more than 7 million deaths a year. Uh, it accounts for over 12% of all deaths. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's a little bit of a scary problem that we have. Heart disease is real. But this morning, we're going to talk about a different kind of heart trouble that affects a whole lot more people. We're going to talk about the heart kind now, and when the, in the Bible, when they talk about the heart, uh, they look at the, the word, uh, it literally meant that the center of all your emotions. It was like who, the core of who you really are. It's, uh, it's more than your personality. It's the central place of your being. And, and you hear, you read in Scripture about heart trouble. And so this kind of heart trouble can affect anyone. It can affect the young, it can affect the old uh, and there are a lot of signs of a troubled heart in our world today. Anxiousness, worry, right, stress, uh, fear are all signs of a troubled heart. And I'm telling you, when you look at statistics today, it is scary how many people are dealing with a troubled heart, right? It, it's scary. And not just adults. It's, it's affecting our youth and our children as well in our world today. And so what we want to do is, is talk about our troubled hearts today. I, I would even say that the, our Lord Jesus, he was not immune to having a troubled heart. As we look in the book of John, we see three instances where he has a troubled heart. The first was in John eleven thirty three. 33 when Jesus felt the sorrow of losing his good friend Lazarus. The second time was just after he entered into Jerusalem. Um, he, he, um, he told Philip and Andrew that his hour has come. 
Uh, he was talking about his fast approaching death on the cross, and we see that his heart was troubled. The third, um, um, the third time um, was in John 13, 21, when Jesus revealed to his disciples that one of them would betray him. All of the, uh, and what we see here is that even Jesus, his heart was troubled. And, and so I would say to you this morning that there's nothing wrong with having a troubled heart. The, the issue is how we deal with it. How do we handle it? Where do we go when we're uncertain, when we're fearful, when we have trouble, when we are stressed, when we're anxious? How do we deal with those feelings? Because we all will have feelings. The, the important thing is that we don't live there. We don't stay there. And so that's our focus this morning. This whole passage has been called uh, the Farewell Discourse. Um, kind of a, a fancy name for just saying these are Jesus' last words to his disciples. Uh, before he leaves, before he goes to the cross, before he is crucified. And, and, and this is his last message to them. Uh, one commentary I read put it this way. He said, suppose you had not been feeling well and you finally visited a doctor. After test, they called you in and told you that you had less than 24 hours to live. That evening, you only had a short time to tell your children the news, to sum up everything you had been trying to teach them, and launch them into life without you. That is precisely the purpose of this passage that we're studying in John. Jesus was preparing his disciples for the unbelievably difficult days ahead, and for their mission to come afterwards. He also wanted to tell them why the approaching difficulties must come. The basic theme is I must depart so the Spirit may come. And, and so, I, I, again, this is when you think about someone's dying words, you think about their last message, you think about someone that knows that the end of their life is approaching and they have something important to tell you, you lean in, you listen. You pay attention. You know that these words carry weight. You know that they're important. You know that what Jesus is about to say, we need to really listen to and understand and apply to our life. And so that's where we find ourselves in, in the middle of this, right? Jesus is he's getting ready to be turned over to the authorities and crucified. But in this time, he's thinking about the disciples. In this time, he cares about them so much that he's going to, invest in them he's going to pour his heart into them he's going to teach them he's going to comfort them he's going to encourage them so that their hearts aren't troubled anymore and so when they looked at jesus there was no doubt that he loved them and the same thing i want you to understand as well like when we read these words there should be no doubt in your mind that jesus loves you and that jesus cares about you when you read this, when, we, when our hearts are troubled, instead of saying, why me? We need to, to just remember, this is how much Jesus cares about us. This is, and so, again, this whole passage, um, I think, speaks to this. So the next like five, six weeks we're in this, we're going to be digging down deep into this, learning about how much Jesus cares and about where we have to go in our times of trouble. So let's kind of jump right in this morning. Um, here's my first point um, that I want us to understand is we fear the unknown. So many of our issues, so many of our problems become, 
uh, or kind of arise out of this fear. We have fears about what we don't know, about what we can't see, what we don't know what to expect. And I want you to think about your life and think about those times you were fearful and how many of those times were because of something unknown. You didn't know what was going to happen um, uh, with your health. You didn't know what was going to happen with your job. You didn't know what was going to happen with your kids. Whatever it is, there, there was a fear of the unknown that kind of controlled your thinking, that you fixated on. Again, the background of this is Jesus's kind of last address to his disciples. He had been, they'd been here at the Last Supper. He had washed the disciples' feet. He explained to them what that means and what it meant to serve. Uh, the Jewish leaders still thought Jesus was a threat, so uh, the disciples were scared. They didn't know what was going to happen. They knew as long as they were with Jesus, they felt fairly safe and secure. But now Jesus is telling them that he is not going to be around any longer. This had to shake them. Uh, it had to shake them really to the core of their being. It's like, what's going to happen to us now? Jesus is the one that, that's keeping us safe. Jesus is the one that he knows what to do in all of these situations. He, he always has the right words to say. He always knows exactly what to do. And now he's leaving? He even told them that one of you is going to betray me. How do you think they responded to that? Worse, he said that he was going to leave them. They wouldn't be able to find him. He even told them that their leader, their, their kind of brave leader of the bunch, Peter, hey, he's going to be the one that denies me. I mean, you just kind of put yourself in that upper room. And think about the, the, that place and that time and what they were experiencing and, and the flood of emotions that they were dealing with. There were so many unknown things about to happen. You can understand why they were fearful. And, and I could say the same thing about your life. Sometimes you find yourself in a place where your mind just takes off and like, you know, you know like if you're going down a, a big hill, some of y'all, you know, used to drive straight gear cars, manuals. You know, you put them in neutral, that thing would take off, right? You try to see how many miles you could get, right, without hitting the gas or how far you could go in neutral, all right? Um, that's what our mind does sometimes. It's like throwing it over a neutral and it just starts freewheeling. It starts getting, it building momentum. It just starts getting faster and faster. And all these thoughts are, are flowing through our minds. And like, what if this happens? And what if, if this happens? And what if? And we start playing out all these scenarios. We start worrying about what's going to happen and how things are going to turn out. And, and let me just be honest. How many times do the worst case scenario that we play out in our mind actually happen? Very rarely, right? It can but very rarely do all those scenarios we play out, we kind of think in our mind, do they actually happen? And, and so, again, there's no wonder that they're upset, they're troubled. Jesus is leaving them. One of their own has turned against them. Peter is about to betray, you know, deny Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, like everything they knew, everything that they found their security in was about to change. So where would they go and what would they do and what would they think and uh, what about Israel's future? And I mean, wasn't Jesus the Messiah? And, and, and so, and, and all of that, right? They're, 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 they were struggling with trust. 
can, can, is, can we really, we put our trust in Jesus. So, so what now? Pastor Matt Carter said this. He said, in times of anxiety and stress, we tend to doubt whether God can be trusted. We began to wonder if he really cares or if he knows what's best. Our hearts, like ships at sea, are battered by winds of uncertainty and taking on the waters of doubt. In those moments, we need to be reminded that God controls the seas. The disciples are being, buffered, are being buffeted by the winds of anxiety. And Jesus gives them this command, believe in me. Belief in Jesus will be their anchor in the coming turbulent days. Belief in Jesus will calm the troubled waters that rock their hearts. So let's kind of turn to John chapter 14, verse 1. We'll jump in this morning, and again, we're kind of going to go verse by verse through this today. A um, lot to, to cover, lots of things that will give us hope today. And, and so uh, it, it said this in John chapter 14, verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And can I just stop right there and say that's a message that some of you here today need to hear and focus on and think about and remember and trust Jesus. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Whatever it is that's weighing you down, whatever it is that, that is just consuming your thought life, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There it is. I mean, there's the, 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 here, here's the, the cure for the issue that you're having. It's trust. Do you trust him? And he goes on to say, here's why you can trust me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? I, I hate to, I'll stop again, but I hate to, to, to tell you, but many of us learned this verse as there are many mansions, right? And the, 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 the actual Greek word here is not what we would say like a big fancy house. It's just that we're with Jesus. There is room for us. That's what's most important. It's not that you're going to have a, a, a nice house with a swimming pool in heaven, okay? That's not why we look forward to heaven. We look forward to heaven because Jesus is going to be there. That's what we need. Uh, it's not all the stuff. It's not having a nice, fancy house. You're not preparing for yourself a luxury mansion so you, don't, so you can live in luxury. You, you're preparing yourself to live with Jesus forever. Okay, let me keep going. Um, when everything is ready, verse 3, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. So in the middle of all this craziness that they're experiencing and their minds are going crazy, like what might happen? And, and I, I, we don't know where to go and we don't know what to do. And what are we going to do without Jesus? And, and, and like what's going to happen to us? Are, are we going to be arrested? Are we going to be killed? Or all these things that they're thinking about could happen. He just says, I'm not abandoning you. In fact, I, I'm going away for a little while. I'm going to prepare a place. And then I'm coming back to get you, to take you with me, right? When everything's ready, I'm coming back. And so I'm not forgetting about you. I'm not abandoning you. Um, I'm actually coming back. This is good news for them. And instead of realizing, right, that he's gone forever, we'll never see him here, and we're on our own, they know that he still cares. 
he uses um, terminology that's really from the Old Testament that they would be familiar with about the rooms of heaven. You can read Ezekiel chapter 42 and, and, and kind of get this picture, right? Ezekiel, over 600 years earlier, uh, pictured God's home as a heavenly temple with many rooms. And so he's using the same terminology to remind them, this is heaven we're talking about. I, I'm going away Uh, But I'm preparing a place. I'm coming back, uh, and and you're going to go with me. And so I I would tell you this. If you're ever feeling discouraged because you don't have, uh, you don't really know where you belong, you don't really know where your home is in this world, remember this. Jesus has promised you that he has a home for you forever, for all of eternity. And I think many people feel like, unsettled in this world, confused. Um, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I don't know where I want to live. I don't know if I'm where I'm supposed to be. And Jesus is telling us right here, you know what? This life is temporary. I'm preparing a place for you that will be perfect and it will last for all of eternity. And he's telling them, right? You know, even in, in, at the time of Jesus, it was common, right, in these families that the families would all live together under one roof. And um, if, the, you know, the, the, the children got married and, and started having their own children, what would they do? They would build on to the family home. They would add a room. And so that's the picture Jesus is saying. I, I'm preparing a home for our family. And I'll have as many rooms as I need for all uh, of, uh, for my, all my children, for all my, my family who's going to be there. And, and so he promises the disciples he's going back to prepare a place for them and it's going to have plenty of rooms. And, and can I just say, doesn't that give you a little bit of comfort? That no matter how bad things get, that Jesus hasn't forgotten about us either. I mean, that's, that's in essence what he's telling the disciples. I'm not forgotten about you. Yeah, you, you may go through trouble, but this, this life is not our focus. Uh, you're going to be with me forever. forever. That, it gives me security to know that no matter what happens to me in this life, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It doesn't matter. Uh, it, it just puts things into perspective. Suddenly, sud- <laughs> suddenly, temporary things don't really matter that much anymore. And I think for me, right... It's so easy to get caught up in temporary things, to get stressed and worried and anxious. And whether it's your health, right? whether it's your job, whether it's your family, whether it's money and finances, uh, whether it's relational drama, whether it's uh, family issues that you're dealing with. There's so many things that consume us that are temporary. And and the comforting thought that can remove this fear and anxiety we have is that we can trust in Jesus. He has made us a promise and he is going to keep it. And so he's just, this is the encouragement we have. And so he goes on though in this passage to, to help us even more. And that, that's my, my second point. What, how do we find kind of the cure to this anxiety? It's faith in Jesus. It's trust in Jesus. It's the antidote to a troubled mind. Um, I want you to think of fear and doubt like a poison, right? Because that's what it really is. 
it's slowly killing you. Um, the more you ingest it, the sicker you get. And, and I'm afraid that we don't realize the poison. And, and there, we know this, right? There, there are definitely physiological changes that happen to our body uh, because of cortisol, because of stress, that cause physical problems. Stress will lead to heart disease, right? It leads to an increased risk of stroke, and it leads to an increased risk of death even, right? The more you ingest worry and fear and anxiety, the sicker you become. What's the antidote? Well, the antidote is faith. The antidote is trust. Throughout Scripture, we're commanded to trust God. We're, we're given many reasons why we can trust Him. Whenever our hearts are troubled, it's encouraging to know that there is someone we can turn to. The best person to help us is the God who created us. And, and so when we trust in Jesus, what He does, he, take, he takes all those effects of the poison and He cures them. Right? He's the antidote that we need. Here is where he tells us how we can get well again. He told them, you know where I'm going, but they still aren't entirely sure. Let's pick it up in verse 5. They actually say, I love this. You know where I'm going? And like, uh, actually, Jesus, no, we don't. Um, not so sure about that. I don't think we picked that up. Um, it reminds me of us sometimes. Like, Jesus, like, don't you know this? And we're like, no, we really don't know this. All right? No, we don't know, Lord. And, of course, it's Thomas. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And in essence, he's saying, will you please spell it out for us? We need more detail here. Don't we do that when, we're, when we have that unknown going through our mind? We're like, okay, I need to trust you, but just, just tell us all the details. Fill in all the blanks. Help us to understand this. Then we're going to be all right. All right. Uh, <laughs> Jesus told him, here's all you need to know. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you wouldn't know who, if you, if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. So I would say that verse 6 is one of the most important verses in the Bible. All the, all the verses are there, are equally inspired, but some of them carry a, a bigger punch. <laughs> Let's just be honest, right? This one, um, man, this is the greatest revelation that Jesus ever gave about himself. He did not say, I'll show you the way to the Father. He said, I am the way to the Father. He did not say, I will teach you the truth that you need. He said, I am the truth. He did not say, I'll give you life. He said, I am the life. No one can make statements like that without being God. I mean, in essence, that's what he's saying. I am God. I am the, the way that God identified himself to Moses. Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and because he is the way, the truth, and the life, he is the only means of reaching the Father. There's no other way to God except through him. We live in a world where everybody says, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe in as long as you believe something. You just need to have some spiritual beliefs. Right? That's the world we live in. It's like, just be spiritual and, and that's enough. But you can be sincere in your belief and still be sincerely wrong. 
You can be sincere in what you believe and still be following and going to the wrong place. There, there are many people who claim there are other ways to God, and they would say we would be narrow-minded to say that Jesus is the only way. They say that's offensive. What about the, the, the people uh, who believe other things? And, and, and here's how I would respond to that. The entire Bible is the story of how God reveals himself to mankind. It's a story of a God who created us, telling us his plan for us. It's a story about how we messed up that plan by sin and how God, yet in his infinite love and wisdom, created a way for us to be made right, to be brought back to him, to be justified, that we could be, have a relationship with God again. And it's a story of how one day um, God is going to fix everything and we get to be with him forever. Now, who gets to write the story? <laughs> That's the question, Right? Who gets to lay out the rules for how this world functions? I would suggest that the only person that has the authority, the right to do that is the person who created the world. The person who designed the world. How arrogant is it for us, and I'm just going to be honest and maybe you disagree with this, but when I look at this world around us, it makes me realize how insignificant I really am. How arrogant is it for me to think in my finite mind that I know more than the God who created us? That's pretty absurd. To me, that's the height of arrogance to say we have this world figured out and here's how everything works. We don't need God. There is no God. But when we step back and look at this world and realize how intricate, how intricate and how incredibly beautiful and, and, and complicated everything is, our own human bodies, do you realize we still don't understand how our own bodies work? The doctors in medicine, we're still doing research, trying to figure out how everything, and we're still finding out things like, this is amazing. On a cellular level, we're still trying to understand the complexity of life. And so I would say, right, uh, this whole thing, this is not us being narrow-minded. This is us saying, God, you know better than we are, than we do. God, we we, we trust you because you're the one who made us. Um, This whole idea of God revealing himself is such a revolutionary concept because every other religion, and even to the Jewish people, it was all about earning your way to God. It's about doing enough right things to be accepted by God. And, And now God is saying, that's not the way you get to me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's through me. It's through faith. It's through trust. And so it's still not easy, though. In Matthew chapter 7, we read, For the gate is narrow, the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. You know, it's interesting. If you ask people, are you going to heaven? Almost everybody would say yes. But Scripture tells us that it's not. that Few find the way. It's not. it's easy to believe, but it's hard. It's really hard to understand sometimes. And what, what we see right here, the truth that you and I must be fully convicted in our hearts and mind that there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. 
And so I want to challenge you this morning. It's not that we're being unkind. It's not that we're being intolerant. It's not that we're being narrow-minded. It's that we have found the cure. We have found the antidote. We have found the solution to every problem that we face. And His name is Jesus. And so we can share that with love and compassion. We don't have to be mean about it. We don't have to be arrogant about it. But we shouldn't be ashamed of that either. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. All right? And so we're just stating clearly what God has revealed in His world, that no one can come to Him except through Jesus Christ. It's a word of comfort to us. It's a promise. And that's what Jesus is telling His disciples. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. You've seen me. You've experienced life with me. You want to know who God is? Look at me because you've seen Him. You've experienced Him. And I would say the same thing to you, right? If you want to know more about God, learn more about Jesus. Spend time with Him. Read about Him. Pray. uh, Abide in Him. And we'll be talking about that, right? And we start learning what it looks like to live with Him. And um, the, the phrase in Greek here is a condition, meaning that it's almost, if you know me and you do, you will know my Father. So there's no misunderstanding here. From now on, you know him, you've seen him, you've experienced him. And so, uh, he's just telling him, you don't have to wait to heaven to get to know God. You realize that, right? A lot of people are like, I want to know who God is and what he's like. And Jesus is saying, you can know him right now. You can know him right now. That leads me to my third point. The fact that that Jesus is God in human flesh, it, that's what gives us confidence and hope about our future. And that's what he's telling the disciples here, right? We, um, we all get tired, we get discouraged, we get frustrated, we get confused, uncertain. But this passage just reminds us who Jesus is and how much he cares about his disciples and how much he cares about us. Philip was the first who spoke up. He said in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. So Thomas says, I don't know where we're going. I don't know who, you got to explain it to me. Now Philip says, well, hey, just show us the Father and, and we'll understand. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe of the or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. So Philip was worried here. Uh, he was feeling discouraged. He was feeling uncertain. Jesus has said he's going to leave them. One of them would betray him. Peter would disown him. And Philip wanted the quick fix. He's like, just show us God. Just, just explain it to us. Show, give us an experience so that we can know that we don't have to doubt anymore. Uh, and, and, and be careful, right, to, to take note of what Jesus said here. What Philip requested sounds reasonable enough. But Philip was wanting something more. Uh, not just a plain human that was sitting there talking to him. He wanted a divine revelation. And what Jesus told him, he said, peace and comfort. You can find them, but you can find them in me. 
because you have already seen me. You've seen how I've lived. You've seen how I've loved. You've seen how I've done miracles. You've seen how I've shared my time with you. And if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That's all you need. And essence, Jesus is telling them, you don't need any more than what you have already experienced and what you already have. And I think the same thing holds true to us today. We say, God, I want more. I want, I want, I want, to, I want you to reveal, to, write it out in big letters in the sky for me so that I know without a doubt what you want me to do. Isn't that what we want? I mean, when we're uncertain, when we're fearful, that's what we want. We want it to know without a doubt. And, and, and he's just saying, what you already have is enough. Think about how you've already experienced Jesus in your life. Has he been faithful? And what has he done? Has he revealed truth to you? Think about how you've grown. Think about how you have changed. That is enough. That is enough for us. Jesus told Philip he had been showing them the Father all along, not just in his outward appearance, but in his words and his actions, his whole personality. God was being revealed through Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In essence, he was telling them, focus on what you have learned, not what you want to learn, right? Focus on what you have already experienced, not what you're missing out on. And, and so I would just say it this way. Do, do we struggle? Does God love us? Do we struggle with that? If we do, then look to Jesus. Does God care for us? Then look to Jesus. Does God have mercy for us? Yeah, look to Jesus. Does God forgive my sins? Let's look to Jesus. And when we have questions, where do we go? We look to Jesus. And it's through his teaching, through his heart, through uh, his word that we have, we learn more about the Father. It's through Jesus. And so when we understand that, we understand why Jesus is so important. He's God in human flesh that came to become one of us. Right, So that he could live the life that we couldn't live. So that he could go to the cross and take the punishment that we deserve. And so he's everything we need. And that kind of leads me to my last point this morning. Since God lives in us now, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Whenever we are fearful about uncertainty, about difficulty we're going through... It's easy to feel, feel powerless. It's easy to feel confused. It's easy to feel scared. Uh, I think sometimes we face setbacks that leave us feeling weak and uncertain. Uh, but when we know who Jesus is, it gives us faith to move forward. Verse 12, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. He's getting ready, and we'll jump into this next week, to talk about the Holy Spirit and how that changes everything. But what this passage does, Jesus is promising to be with us to work in us, to work through us, to give us hope, to give us strength, to give us the comfort we need. This is a pretty significant promise. Um, I, I would say, right, every parent, if you're a parent, think about it this way. You have, you, you have this um, hope for your children that they're going to do uh, far greater things than you ever did in your life. 
I think every parent can kind of understand that, right? And you have that hope, like, I want my kids not to make the same mistakes I did. I want them uh, to, to, to be able, my legacy is I want my children to do more than I did and, and, and to, to live a life and leave a greater legacy than I did. Uh, and, and in essence, I feel like that's what Jesus is saying here. I'm leaving you for a while, but I'm not really leaving you because the Holy Spirit's about to come. And you know what? You're going to do even great. You think you got to see me do some things? Wait to what happens when the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Wait to what you will see God work and do when every single moment the Holy Spirit is empowering you. That's our life today. That's the world we're living in today. That, that Jesus is right here living inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit, indwelling us, giving us the guidance and hope and direction and power. That me, to me, that, is, that changes everything about the Christian life when we realize that. That He is here. That I know I can do everything through Christ living in me. So if you're here this morning and you're troubled, maybe it's circumstances, maybe you, you feel that you're beaten down, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's just nothing ever works out the way that you want it to, I want you to know that there's hope in, and His name is Jesus. Jesus is who changes everything. He is the antidote to a troubled heart. He shows us what God is like and what God's priorities are. He, he's prepared a place for us in heaven, and He is coming back again one day. We don't know when, but He's coming back. And so the, really the question becomes, are we ready? Are we ready? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I read this week this, this thought, and I thought it was good. It said, salvation is so much more than praying a prayer. It's putting your trust in a person. We create doubt when we view salvation improperly. We might worry about the words we say or whether we're sincere instead of simply trusting in Jesus. Through Jesus alone, we are brought into a right relationship with the Father the exclusivity of Jesus' statement, it often angers people. Why is it so offensive? It's offensive because it strikes a blow to our pride. What Jesus says to you and me is, you cannot make it to heaven on your own. It feeds our proud nature to, tr to try to save ourselves. To accept the true Jesus revealed in Scripture requires humility. Jesus doesn't make this, it's, it's this exclusive statement because he's trying to, to win a popularity contest. He says it because it's true. What Jesus says can be trusted because he himself is the truth. Jesus does not simply tell the truth. He embodies it. He is the source of truth and the reason truth is absolute. And so my question for you this morning is, do you know this Jesus we've been talking about all morning? Do you really know him? Do you trust him? Uh, or, or do you still trust yourself to try to save yourself? Because salvation is all about us relinquishing control of our life and making Jesus the Lord of our life. It's saying it, I'm, it's not about me anymore, it's about Jesus. And so you may be a, maybe you're a believer, you put your trust in Jesus, but you, you keep slipping back into saying, I can control it myself. That's what fear and worry and anxiousness do. It's like saying, Jesus, I don't really trust you to handle this problem anymore, so I'm going to take care of it. 
And I want to just encourage you to, to, to trust Jesus today. Read his words. Get, to go back home. Read this passage. Spend time with Jesus. And you will learn to trust him. I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me today. The band's going to come back up. We're going to close. But would you guys bow your heads this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Because it does bring us peace. It does bring us hope. Lord, I pray for each and every person here today. Pray for those watching online today as well. And each week we have people tuning in online. And, and I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know if your heart is troubled or not. But I have a feeling that many people in this room, many people listening online, that your heart is troubled. Lord, I'm so thankful that Jesus cares about us enough to show us how we can find hope. I'm so thankful for his love for us. And so today, Lord, I'm just, uh, we just, we want to trust you. We want to trust you more. You, your word tells us that you are, that Jesus is the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one can come to the Father except through Jesus. And so right now, in this place, right here, wherever we are, we want to make sure that we put our trust in Jesus. So if you're not sure today, if your heart's troubled, if you say, I really don't know if I'm saved. I really don't know if I know Jesus. I don't really know for sure that I'll be in heaven with him one day. Then right now, let's, let's make sure. It's simply a matter of trusting Jesus. His word tells us, right, that for God so loved the world, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Whoever believes, it's not complicated. Your word tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. It's about belief. It's about trust. So while every head is bowed, I want to give you that opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, would you trust him today? Uh, instead of asking you to repeat after me, I just want you to, 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 just to cry out to God right now. Just tell him, I believe in you. I trust in you. I believe that Jesus died for me. Just talk to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Because you give us a way that we can know you and we can be with you forever. So today, Lord, we just want to thank you. We want to praise you. We want to lift up the name of Jesus as we learn to trust him more and more and more. It's in the name of Jesus we pray today. Amen.